Hello again, everyone. It's Greg here, and welcome to another week of See It or Shove It. Each week, I give you my opinion on the latest film releases, and I advise you whether or not you should spend your time and money to see it, or if you should just shove it away and pretend it doesn't exist. Like I mentioned last week, this week, due to my travel plans, our regular show is on vacation until next week. In its place, I bring you a special quick episode focusing on the highlights and lowlights of 2022 so far. However, since I love my listeners and I don't want you to have to go without a movie review for too long, I was able to catch Minions The Rise of Gru before I recorded this episode. So, surprise! I have a review hot off the presses. Featuring the vocal talents of Oscar nominees Steve Carell and Taraji P. Henson, as well as Michelle Yeoh, and Mary Poppins herself, Oscar winner Julie Andrews. This film shows the early years of the devious Gru as a young boy with dreams of becoming a world-famous supervillain. Distinguished villains, my name is Gru. I feel like I'm talking too loud, even though our proximity doesn't require this kind of volume. You seriously think a puny little child can be a villain? Yes, I, I am pretty despicable. You don't want to cross me! Set in 1976, the film opens with a jewelry heist at the hands of the supervillain group The Vicious Six. The group heads to Asia to steal the Zodiac Stone. When they retrieve the stone, the group betrays one of their own and leaves him for dead. Flash forward a few weeks and young Gru, voiced by Corell, receives an invitation to interview as the newest member of The Vicious Six, now led by Bell Bottom voiced by Henson. They are shocked to see that he is only a child and refuse to hire him. Gru ends up stealing the Zodiac Stone and things go haywire as the stone ends up missing and Gru gets kidnapped by former Vicious Six member Wild Knuckles, voiced by Oscar winner Alan Arkin. I give this movie a... See it! The film was quite enjoyable and moved right along. The script was very humorous for both kids and adults, and I think you'll have a good time watching this. Originally scheduled to be released this same weekend in 2020, but was delayed due to COVID's impact on movie theaters, this is worth the wait. It's a good time, and if you have children, they will enjoy this, based off of the response of the children in the theater during the showing I attended. They actually stood up and applauded at the end. It reminded me of that commercial that The person applauds in the theater and the guy says to her, no one who made the film is here. But I didn't want to hurt the kid's feelings. Anyway, go see it. It's good. Now it's time for the best of the year so far, now that we're halfway through. I do want to say before I get started that so far this year, I'm finding movies to be just okay overall. Entertaining, but nothing to shout off the rooftops about. Outside of three movies, there hasn't been anything I've really fallen in love with. Uh, There has been plenty, though, that I've enjoyed and think are worth checking out. But usually by now each year, there are about six or seven films that I've absolutely loved. By this time last year, half of my year-end top ten had already been released, including In the Heights, Cruella, and Together Together. I still hold out hope for the rest of the year to finish strong, so we'll see. I just think that we're getting the effects of when movie making shut down during COVID. So 
the quality is not quite up there yet, but we'll see. Um, with that said, here are the 10 movies I have enjoyed the most so far this year. Now, if you know me, not all may be critical hits, but for one reason or another, I really enjoyed them. So here they are. At number 10 is the animated hit The Bad Guys. This film is now streaming on the streaming service Peacock, and if you'd like to hear my in-depth thoughts on this one, you can find it on episode 10 of this podcast. At number 9 is the film I was most surprised to have enjoyed, Ambulance, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. I really had fun watching this, and it is also now available for home viewing on Peacock. For my in-depth analysis of this movie, you can find that on episode 8. At number 8 is another fun film, The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and Brad Pitt. This was a fun adventure and is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. If you'd like to hear my thoughts on this one, you can find that on episode 6. At number 7 is last week's featured film, Elvis. With brisk direction and a breakout performance by Austin Butler, this one is a winner. This is currently only in theaters, and if you want to hear my review on it, have your fingers do a U-turn and find it on episode 19. Sitting at number 6 is the brutal film The Northman. Dark and gorgeous, this isn't for everyone, but man is it well done. This film is now streaming on Peacock, and if you'd like to hear my thoughts on this one, you can find it on episode 10. Actor Ethan Hawke is seen in The Northman, as well as my number 5 film, The Creepy, The Black Phone, now in theaters. This was focused on last week's episode, number 19, if you wanted to listen to it again. At number 4 is a film new to see it or shove it. It's the latest installment of the horror franchise Scream that was released in January, and it was a doozy. Here's a clip. Whatever his link is to our past... It's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. Returning for this were original stars Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette. They modernized the original story and made it into this meta experience. Now, I love the Scream franchise, and this one did not disappoint. I found the young cast, which includes Marissa Barrera and Mason Gooding, to be very adaptable to the franchise, and the twists were plenty, as well as the humor that this franchise is known for. If you're a fan of the franchise, check this one out. It is currently streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Speaking of meta-stories, the insanely creative and thrilling Everything Everywhere All at Once is my third favorite film this year. I went back to see it again because if you remember correctly, I think I said something to the effect of, I'm not sure what I just saw, but I know I liked it. Well, I went to see it again, and it played even better the second time. This is now available for rental or purchase, and more than three months later, you may even still be able to catch it in the theaters. If you'd like to hear my thoughts on this one, you can find it on episode 8. But again, remember, my appreciation increased even more upon a second viewing. At number 2 is Tom Cruise's return to the skies in Top Gun Maverick, which was a thrilling roller coaster ride 
that is still entertaining audiences in droves. The film just passed $1 billion at the box office and became Cruz's highest-grossing film ever, and for good reason. It is fantastic. If you'd like to hear my review on that, it is on episode 15. And my favorite film of the year so far is the very creative and wacky The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage. It's too bad this one didn't entice a bigger audience, because it is a lot of fun. It's now available for purchase or rental, and if you'd like to hear my thoughts on this one, you can find it on episode 9. So that's it for the best of the year so far. Now let's look at some of the biggest turkeys. These aren't ranked because bad is just bad, and I dislike them equally. The first is the Netflix remake, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was neither scary or intriguing. There were more eye-roll moments than jump-scare moments, as teenage social media influencers try to avoid becoming mulch at the hands of Leatherface. Next, the Pierce Brosnan film The King's Daughter was a misfire on all levels. The fantasy film about a powerful king seeking immortality from a mermaid as his daughter thwarts his plans was just as ridiculous as that sounds. There's a reason this stinker sat on the shelf for almost eight years after being made before finally being released in January. Next, you would think a film based on a book by the great children's author Kate DiCamillo and starring respectable actors like Dennis Quaid and Oscar nominee Queen Latifah would have all the goods necessary for a great family film. Alas, the tiger rising about a boy who finds a caged tiger in the woods near his home and his efforts to free him was dull. The only thing rising out of this movie was me out of my seat at the end of the movie, never to see it again. And the last two were spotlighted on previous episodes. Firestarter was a film that needed to be extinguished and was featured on episode 13, and the absolutely ridiculous Interceptor was recently featured on episode 17. So if you're inclined to hear my thoughts on those, you can go back and listen again. So that's it for this week's episode. Nice and quick for you. Come back again next week when Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman return with the sure-to-be blockbuster Thor Love and Thunder, Academy Award winner Jessica Chastain and Ray Fiennes star in The Forgiven, Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz star in Official Competition, and we get another take on Pride and Prejudice in Mr. Malcolm's List. Follow me on Instagram at BrewstersDad73 and rate me wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Happy 4th of July, everyone. This episode of Cedar Shove It was recorded in Troy, New York and is produced by Gregory B. Production. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.